Our seventh lock of consecration, a holiness lifestyle, a life of holiness, or just simply put, holiness. And what we believe when we state this is we believe in this church what the Word of God teaches. We believe come as you are, but not stay as you are. God doesn't bring you into the church to leave you the way that he found you. God's spirit, God is a consuming fire, it says in the word of the Lord. And that consuming fire, whatever that fire touches, it will transform that what it comes in contact with if you remain there long enough. Don't pull away from the fire too early. Stay in the fire. And because the deeper impurities take longer to be purged. And so the longer you're in the presence of God, the deeper God can work in things in you and begin to reveal them in your life. It's why we die daily. That's why we believe in tearing in the altar so God can work the deep things in our life because there's a lot of layers to our heart. There's a lot of callousness over the years and we need the fire to burn away layer after. See, the world's not the same anymore where it's almost like everyone's moral and they just might lie here or there. Our world's crazy, and God is having to burn through a lot of things from your early childhood, things you were exposed to, the abuse, all this stuff. And that's not to diminish what God can do in an instant moment. God can radically transform somebody's life. Someone say amen. But this topic, the seventh lock of consecration, holiness, is so extensive that one one sermon could not possibly cover the, the breadth of holiness. I will be addressing today simply some practical things and some principles. And it is imperative to understand that we are sinners. We are unholy and God is holy. But here's the beauty is this holy God is a loving God and does not intend to leave you unholy. We are unholy. He is holy, but this holy God is loving enough to not leave you unholy because he wants to be in your heart. He wants to walk in your life and he wants to radically transform you. See, from creation, God started with blackness, with darkness and void, and he brought forth light. I know that there may be no structure to your world right now. Blackness, darkness, void. But I promise you, God can bring light into your darkness. God can bring structure into your void element that you are living in. For that same Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's here right now. We open up with 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. We'll read through verse 16 here. The Bible says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Or literally, it is saying, prepare your minds for action. Be sober. Hope to the end. See, the world's doing everything but be sober. But the Bible says what Christians do. We prepare our minds for action. We live in sobriety. And we hope to the end for the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We talked about that. We have access into this grace by the revelation of who Jesus Jesus is verse 14. So Jesus is our heavenly father and we are his children. So what do we do as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your in in your ignorance? That word fashioning means conforming to the pattern. He says, do not conform 
to the pattern. I know when we think that we're living in the world, doing things our way, that we're some unique individual. But when you're living in the world, you're conforming to the pattern. And that pattern, see, the devil wants you to feel like you're one in a million in the world. But really, you're just one of a million of the devil's pattern, the pattern of sin. Don't feel like you're unique in the world. You're merely a replica of the loss in the world. But in the church, God gives you a new identity, a unique calling, an individual calling, an individual relationship. I'm telling you, this walk with God is not bondage. Verse 15, it says, he talking about God has called you. The one who called you is holy. So be holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation means behavior, all your behavior. Let it be sacred or pure unto God because it is written. Verse 16, God spoke, said he's talking to you and I be holy for I am holy. Remember, we're unholy. But a holy God is a loving God who says, I want you to be holy, though you're unholy. See, this is God's call to holiness. Call, that word call that we just read in the scripture means to bid, to bid forth, to come forth. God literally is calling people to step out and to move forward in his direction. And the closer you get to God, the closer you are to holiness, to sanctification, to God's purity and sacredness. So when God calls us, he bids us to walk forward towards the voice. And that voice that is calling, the Bible says, is holy. That word holy is hagios, which means sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, religious, ceremonially consecrated, holy saint. See, holy is not confined to one aspect of our world. It literally means physically pure and morally blameless. That is what holy, this sacred hagios means. Then it says this manner, our manner of conversation. Manner means completely, entirely, the whole, thoroughly. And then the next phrase says conversation, which means behavior, conduct. So putting all those definitions together and using that to expound on the verse we just read, this is what you're reading. God is bidding you to move forward, to walk physically pure, morally blameless, and consecrated completely, entirely, thoroughly, the whole of you as God who calls you is that. God is calling you to come forward to a place you've never been, not a part of your life, but all of your life. So you can be thoroughly as he is. This is God's request. This is not the church mandate. This is God's mandate. And for Jesus, listen carefully, for Jesus to require it means you and I can aspire it. He's the one that required it. It's not to be part of a church roll call membership. It is what God called you to be. God requires it. So that means you should be inspired to uh, aspire to that. Because God's, God's not going to ask you to do something that he's going to hold you accountable to. Knowing that you and your, uh, it is impossible for you to perform it. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you flawless. 
The Bible says that he does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to what? The power that works in us. We talked about that last week. The Holy Ghost power that works in us can now cause you to do that which exceeded your capacity before. To go above and beyond what your mere mortal flesh that was fallen and sinful could ever attain or achieve. But see, it's the power of the Holy Ghost that can bid you to come and dine at the master's table unblameless. See, realize we in ourselves cannot be holy. Living clean and moral without the spirit is unholy. Living clean and moral without the Holy Spirit is unholy. All the furniture in the tabernacle in the Old Testament was normal until it was set apart and anointed. It was just a normal piece of physical furniture. It was just normal cups. It was just a normal table. It was just a normal candlestick. But once it was set apart and there was it was anointed then and only then it became something holy, sacred, set apart and morally different than any other element of its kind. Luke eleven twenty four through 26, Jesus gives this story for you and I to understand. The unclean spirit goes out of a man and walks through dry places. That un- that's talking about a devil, sin, evil. And it looks for rest somewhere else to abide, and he finds none. And so that evil spirit that went out of your life when you were repented and were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, he says, I'm going to return to my house where I came out of. Your body is a house for spirits. And it says, when the spirit came back, he found it swept and garnished. That's a very important phrase that you can highlight, underline, asterisk, underscore, whatever. Verse 26, it says, then that spirit goes and he takes him seven other spirits that are more wicked than himself, goes back into that house and dwells there. And the end result of that man is worse than where he was prior to that at first. That word, that phrase, the reason why I told you to underline it, to look at it, to highlight it, that word swept and garnished means the dirt and the filth was removed and everything was put in proper order and decorated. You look up those words if you don't believe what pastor's telling you, right? I'm telling you, when you remove all the filth out of the home and then you put it in order and you decorate it and it looks picturesque for the front cover of a home living magazine. It says that's what your life is when a spirit comes out of it. You're that evil spirit comes out of your life. And God, as you're in the church and and you're around the people of God, all of a sudden things are cleaning up in your life. They never were clean before. They never were structured before. They never were in well order before. They were never so beautiful, elaborate as they have been. It's great that we get out evil spirits, but we still need the Holy Spirit to preside and to live there. And I'm glad that evil spirits came out of your life, but listen to me. That spirit that came out of your life is still unsettled and aggravated that you kicked him out because he thought your place was a pretty good party house. He liked partying in your life. He liked doing those things in your life. And one day he's going to get ticked off and come back and say, I wonder who's living there right now. And he looks and he sees there's a remodel. It's clean. All the pukes cleaned out of the carpet. All the the cigarette burns 
curtains and the uh, couches. That it's completely remodeled. The new mattresses. Everything smells great. It doesn't smell like filth. It doesn't smell like marijuana. It doesn't smell like some meth lab. It just looks completely different. And he look. I wonder who's living here. And he finds nobody living in a clean, swept-out home. So that spirit says, man, I'm ready to have a good time there. So he gets seven buddies worse than himself. And all those spirits go back into that person's life. We got to be very careful. Because if you are cleaned up, but not filled up, you'll end up messed up. That's about the gist of it, my friend. It, I'm thankful that you're cleaned up, but you better live filled up. you got to be full of the Holy Ghost. You have to replace what you removed or it will return. Whatever removed out of your life is going to return into your life unless you replace it with something bigger and badder than it. And that's the power of God. For greater is he that is in me than any spirit that is in this world. By the way, the Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit. So don't think that this holy thing, this holiness is weak because the Holy Spirit is power. It's powerful enough. I don't care how big of a bouncer that devil is. I don't care what kind of addiction he has. When you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, I'm tougher than you. I'm better than you. You bring seven spirits worse than you, but I'm telling you what, it just needs me right now. I just need to be one God in Jesus name in someone's life and cast you out in the name that is above every name. You have to replace what you removed or it will return. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And a lot of verses here, but I'm going to go through them fast. 9 through 20. Don't you know that the unrighteous, the things that are wrong, shall not inherit the kingdom of God or heaven? Don't be deceived. Fornicators, that means the sexually immoral. Adulterers, adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of my, mankind. That means homosexuality nor thieves, nor covetous, those selfish, self-centered people, nor drunkards, that means people who are drunk, revilers, that means people who party, nor extortioners, that means used car salesmen, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Dishonesty doesn't inherit the kingdom of God. Lies and cheats don't inherit the kingdom of God. And none of these things are permitted because they are unholy. Nothing unholy will live in the holy city. But look at verse 11. Such were some of you. The only difference between us and them is we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified. How were we washed? How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. When was that name called over you and there was a washing? In baptism. In the name of Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you thankful God didn't leave you the way that he found you? We are justified. We are washed in the waters of Jesus' name, baptism. We are sanctified. Or we enter into the momentum of consecration and being set apart by the process of the Holy Spirit called sanctification. The Holy Spirit helps us in that process because you can't walk in the process of sanctification outside of the Spirit because it's only the Holy Spirit that helps you live a holy, consecrated life. Other words, you're merely moral. And morality is good. 
But we're not interested in mere morality. We need spirituality by the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 12, he goes, look, all things are lawful unto me. I could do whatever I want. It's a free country. But not all things are expedient or meaning not everything that you think you can do is beneficial for you. So before you just go around and say, well, God doesn't care if I do this. God doesn't care if that. It doesn't say this in the Bible. You might be able to do that with your body, but that doesn't mean it's going to benefit you. So Paul says, I forbid, I refuse to be brought under the power of any substance, any addiction, anything that's going to keep me from advancing from the call of God to be holy. He says, there's meats for the belly, belly for the meats, but God's going to destroy both of them. And look at my body is not for fornication. I know people think that we are born creatures of just mere sexual appetite and life's just one big orgy. It says that is not the purpose of your body. The purpose of your body is for the Lord and the Lord for your body. And God raised up the Lord and he's going to raise us up by his own power. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. Know ye not that your body are the members of Christ. You're an extension of Jesus Christ. What an amazing concept to register in your mind right now that you have been invited to be the arm of Christ, the foot of Christ, the ears of Christ. And he says, you got to know that that's what you are. And so don't take your member of Christ and join it to the member of a harlot. Basically, you don't you don't enter a Bentley into a demolition derby. You don't enter a Roy's, Rolls Royce into a demo. You don't take it and drive it through the dump. He says, that's what you are. You are this precious pearl. You are this precious, valuable thing of God. You're the house of God. Don't take your house and make it a crack house. Don't take your house and make it some brothel. Don't take your house and make it some party home. You are something so valuable to God. You are precious in the eyes of God. Don't do that to yourself. What? Verse 16. Don't you know that the person that joins to a harlot is one body? For the two shall be one flesh. But the person that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. And this is what we're talking about, the spirit called holiness. So we need to, as Christians today, verse 18, flee fornication or sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Basically saying there's sexual sin is a graver sin than other sins that would say, you know, drugs or whatever. Because it, I, I don't want to get into this theology right now because I want to focus on holiness. But you get the point for a moment, okay? Verse 19. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God. Look at this, very important. Glorify God how? And in what? In your body and in your spirit. Everyone say body. Everyone say spirit. It is up to you. Now that God got the unclean out of you, put the holy in you, now it's up to you to take care of your house physically and spiritually, because both are God's. They belong to him. There are variations of the word holiness, 13 times mentioned in the New Testament. Holiness defined means sacredness, godliness, piety, purification, purifier, reverent, sanctity. This is the nature of God, holiness. Holy, sacred, 
pure. It is who God is and what God invites us to be. If you would actually contemplate those statements just made, what a sobering invitation for a fallen creation to rise up and to live as its creator. That is an amazing concept. There are two components held accountable to holiness, and we just read them. Body and spirit will be held accountable to God's holiness. But holiness begins within. Holiness without the spirit is still sin. It's just a word, but it's really not what it is. Holiness is impossible without the Holy Spirit. You need the spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God. That's why we talked about the Holy Spirit. That's why we talked about baptism ever before we got to this point. Because you need the Holy Spirit to set you apart. See, holiness without the Spirit is still sin, but it is just simply well-groomed sin. There's sinners that really got it together externally. There's people who could put on a good show and it could actually make you feel like you're missing out or there's something wrong with you and there's something right with them. Matthew 23, verse 25, Jesus gives this in further detail or explanation. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You make clean the outside. Someone say outside. You make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but inside you're full of extortion and excess. Cleaning the external and not cleaning the internal leaves one lost eternal. Eternally lost if all you ever do is take care of the external but never the internal. You got to start from within and let it work without. Other words, you and I are going to be left out on the wrong side of eternity. I want holiness to begin inside of my heart in my life. You cannot be completely clean without water and spirit. That is God's cleansing agent, the water and spirit. This is a new birth. Verse 26, thou blind Pharisee. Look what he says. Clean first that which is where? Within. Everyone say within. Clean the inside of your cup and platter. Why? Because we still want the outside to be clean also. This is why we deal with the heart before the whole. It doesn't matter how clean the outside of a coffee cup is. I don't want my coffee in a cup full of flies. I, I don't care how beautiful the display is when you go into these hipster markets. They put, they, I've been in some pretty cool ones where they'll take like cheese slates uh, that's for like cheese tasting. And this is black onyx slate. It's a beautiful uh, uh, layout, this rectangle. And they have the sparkling water there. And they have this tiny little spoon that goes next to your espresso so you could mix the crema within the rest of the particles. It's just, it's a wonderful display and I can lift that up and be excited. But if I look in there and there is a fly, I don't care how nice the display is. I got to make sure I get a new cup, a clean cup, a nice preparation or presentation. It's all fine and dandy, but I want a clean cup of coffee. I want something that's not going to make me sick. I don't want something full of contaminants. And so Jesus said, clean first the inside because the inside is where the content is. I'm thankful for what's on the external, but the inside is where the content is. The content of an individual, their character, 
their heart, the secret place. Because I met people that are clean on the outside, but they're nothing but the backbiting, gossiping, lying, unsubmitted spirit. I'm telling you, you got to start on the inside. Jesus gave a grave warning. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whited sepulchers. Yes, it's a beautiful casket. It is nice. That's the nicest looking casket I've seen. But what's a casket full of a dead body? I don't want to be the best looking casket in Watertown. I want to be something that's full of life, full of holiness. And I believe that God can absolutely take care of the inside and make the outside beautiful as well. Even so, Jesus said, you also outwardly appear righteous, but within full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This is not Jesus doing away with external distinctions. Well, some of some people you probably heard him say as well, you know. God looks on the heart and and man looks on the outward. Yeah, that's exactly right. So don't you want people to see the right message on your billboard? I know God looks on the heart first. But man looks on the outward first. And so I want to make sure my outward correctly reflects my inward. I want my heart to be on display. I want my heart to be visible for people. I want to walk, live, behave, talk in such a manner where somebody doesn't need to try to take some sort of stethoscope to figure out what's on my heart. The abundance of the heart, let my mouth speak. The abundance of my heart, let my life live. Someone say amen. First Thessalonians 3.13. To the end. God wants to establish your heart unblameable. How? In holiness. You got to get your heart established, unblameable in holiness. It must start in your heart. The end result of holiness in this verse is a heart ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holiness has a happy ending. What a... Look what it look, look what it can do say. It says it's at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. When you establish your heart in holiness, unblameable in holiness, what a happy ending when Jesus comes back and he says, I'm coming back for a holy church that's without spot and without wrinkle. God has a happy ending for someone that starts currently and presently living a life unblameable in holiness. As unto the Lord. Romans eleven sixteen. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. Some of you all look like a lump in worship today. But if you want this lump, aka you, to be holy, the first fruit must be holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. The root is the first fruit. The heart. Your lifestyle is the branch, the extension of the heart and the root. This lump right here has to be holy. This lump right here 
And if you have this lump, I'm talking truth. Don't people can pretend they're holy and love Jesus all they want, but your fruit is telling on you. Your branches are revealing the root. The branches are revealing the lump. The branches of your life reveal really if there's any holy root in your world right now. I want God to get a root of my heart. I don't want a root of bitterness in my heart. I want a root of holiness. I want a root of righteousness. I want God to have such a maze of roots that get a hold of my heart and just squeeze and purge out anything unclean. And I want only the pure things to be in there. And I want the pure things to flow out of there because my righteousness is filthy. But God's righteousness, I'm telling you, it's a breastplate. It's a covering. It's a shield of protection. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 says, furthermore, what, you got more to say? Yeah, I'm beseeching you, brothers, sisters, I'm exhorting you by the Lord Jesus to have you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. Holiness isn't hindrance to life. Holiness is abundance of life. Holiness is not hindrance to life. Holiness is abundance of life because it says you've received of us how to walk and to please God. And if you would do that, you will abound more and more. The people that are in famine, the people that are depleted right now are the people that don't have a root of holiness in their heart, causing them to live unblameable. We read here in verse two, you know what the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus this is the will of God, even your sanctification. It's that process of holiness. So you, could, you need to abstain from the things that are immoral. These commandments from Jesus are the will of God. You have to see that as he, de- he declares it here in verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. A holy lifestyle is a lifelong process called sanctification. This word, sanctification, appears ten times in your New Testament. Sanctification defined is this, purification. That is the state of purity, a purifier. Not just some past thing or some future thing, but a present thing. Presently purifying you, holiness, sanctification. Of the ten times the word sanctification in the Greek is used, five times it's translated holiness. And so when you read it in verse 3 this way, this is the will of God, even your holiness. Holiness is the will of God, not the will of man. And being that it's not the will of man should be a good indicator to you what spirit you're of and what spirit he's of. I don't want the will of man to be done. Not my will. Thy will be done. Lord Jesus, I pray your will, not my will in my life. I pray holiness in my life. Sanctification isn't completed 
a new birth. Justification is begun there. God makes you just. But God initiates the process of the purifier, the refiner. If you will remain in the Holy Ghost fire, that is what begins to happen. You begin, you have just entered into the kingdom as a new citizen. Now you live by the law of of the kingdom. You have been welcomed into God's kingdom. You've been given a pass to enter into God's kingdom when you're born again, but you got to continue in the process of the purifier, continue in the process of the refiner called a lifestyle of sanctification and holiness. I thank God that I was born again. I thank God I got my birth certificate, but I'm still attaining to get my diploma. I want to get and stand there on the grandstand in heaven and hear the professor say, well done, Thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, the end result of holiness is a happy ending. You're walking into the joy of the Lord. Don't hold your, you'll have your hands hanging down and your head down and your lip curled out because you feel like holiness is some sort of drudgery. No, holiness is an entrance into the joy of the Lord. I choose to be a Christian. I willingly, I joyfully, I cheerfully give my life to this cause. Verse 4 says, every one of you in 1 Thessalonians 4, every one of you, not some of you, every one of you should know how. And I would ask you to listen very closely, please. If you don't know how, don't make that your excuse. Because the Bible says every one of you should know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. You should know. You need to know or you won't grow. You can say, oh, I don't know. That's what pastors are here for. That's what Bible study teachers are here for. And we do, our, we do what we can. Hey, let's meet together. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's get to But somewhere along the line, hopefully in you, is the desire to say, you know what? I want to be proactive in this. I don't want to keep getting prodded to live sanctified and set apart. I want this. I want to be set apart. I don't want to be just the same pattern of the conformity of this world. I want to be set apart for the glory of God, a vessel of honor that is sanctified. So learn because grace is a teacher. You can write down Titus 2, 11, 12. I don't have that up there, but it basically says the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Per- presently, currently, grace is a teacher to call you out of that world. Verse 5. It says, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles would not know, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. So look at this, verse 7. These next two verses, you could, if you want to tune me out all day, fine, but look at these next two verses, okay? Focus. God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. I hope your caller ID is working. Because God's calling you. You don't want to ignore what he's calling you to do. If you've missed his call, let pastor read you his text message. That's what I'm here to do. So let you know what he called you to do. 
And that is to be a church that is holy as unto the Lord. Look at verse 8 very carefully. The person that despises this message, you're not despising man or pastor. You're despising God. Who has also given to us what? His holy spirit. What God gave you is holy, not unholy, pure, not impure. God gave you a part of his nature so you can take on a new nature, so you can become a new man. This this Holy Ghost is not meant to be a feeling. It's a calling. It's a process. It's a purifier. That's what the definition, part of the definition of the various words of holiness means in the New Testament Greek. It means a purifier, not just a feel-gooder. It is something that is supposed to be purging you on a consistent basis so you are more reflective of his glory. You probably heard the old... uh, a story of a man that wanted to learn about, you know, the, the scripture about the refining of the gold. And he went and watched a man that was, you know, putting gold over the fire. And uh, he, he was watching the guy burn out all the impurities. And he asked that man that was working on that gold over the fire, he says, how do you know when you're done? And he says, the best way is when I can see a clear image of myself. That's when you know. You're in the process is that the image of Jesus is more clear in your life than it was yesterday or a year ago. But if your reflection of Jesus in your life is more cloudy, more jaded, you are not in the purifier. You're not in the walk or the process of holiness. I want my life to more clearly reflect Jesus. And I have no greater joy than to know that somebody can see Jesus in my life. I would to God that somebody can look at me and begin to ponder and inquire and wonder what it is about you. That should be your striving goal in life. Can my life reflect Jesus? Is there something about me that distinguishes or differentiates me from anybody else in Watertown? Or am I weak like every other man? Am I no different than anyone else in this town? Or is there something in me that shows that there's a Holy Spirit in me? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. I'm not going to finish today. There's no way. But verse 14 through 17. Knowing these things, don't be yoked or connected with unbelievers. What fellowship does the righteous have with the unrighteous? In what communion, what kind of friendship are you having to have light with darkness? What what intermingling, what concord does Christ have with the devil? Or what part the person that believes with an infidel or a non-believer? That's not saying that you can never talk to somebody that believes differently. But for you to join yourself to them where they're your influencer or they are not causing you to be refined, to be more reflective of his image, what are you doing with your vessel? What are you doing with what God gave you? You're the house of God for his spirit to live in. Don't join yourself to something that's going to ruin yourself. 
And it says this in verse 16. What agreement does the temple of God with idols? I, I would to God, I hope that you guys would be bothered today. If you walked in this room and there were swastikas in here. And there was demonic images in here. And there was an idol with a child in its hands as a statue. I hope that would bother you. I hope it would. But as much as it bothers you when it's just that blatant and it's that physical and that visible, it should bother you in your life and the things that are not of God. We go on reading here. You are the temple of the living God. God said, I will dwell in you. I will walk in you. I will be your God. You will be my people. All God says is come out from among them. Who is them? You have to get a definition of them in your life. I can give a list but somewhere in your mind and your heart, you got to figure out what them is. And you got to come out from among them. Because them is the pattern of the world. Them is the pop culture of the world. Them is the mainstream of this world. Them is the one point something million subscribers to their channel. Them is the majority. Them is the world. And God says, look, you're the property of Jesus Christ. I put my spirit inside you. I've called you to resist pop culture, to resist mainstream, to resist the majority, to resist conformity, to resist the spirit of the age. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't touch these unclean things and I will receive you. Listen, separation is the one evidence of God's intervention. There's other evidences as well, but separation is one of the evidence of God's divine intervention in your life. That's something from the outside world that is pure, reached into the impure and snatched you out of darkness and pulled you out of the pit of hell. That's what the Bible says in Jude 1. Some are saved by the snatching out of the fire. You were burning in a gulf of despair, but there was a God who loved you and cared enough for you, who said with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I'm going to pull you out of that pit. I'm going to pull you out of that miry clay. I'm going to pull you out of darkness. I'm going to pull you out of addiction because I am not just a holy God. I'm a loving God. The Lord impressed in my heart right now. I don't have this written down. But holiness is God's loving kindness. Oh, that we would even be invited to be holy by a holy God. Holiness is God's loving kindness. God pulling the unholy out and making it holy and transforming his image. I'm telling you, God doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. God doesn't want us to have the pattern of this world. God doesn't want to be another 
cookie-cut image of this world. Whoever the pop star is, whoever the current figure is, whatever that social media leader is, God doesn't want us conformed to that image. God wants to call us from that image and transform us into his image. Ah, listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up in a second. I'm going to wrap up and we're going to pray in this altar. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, let's cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Look at those two words. You've got to see it. It's not just that you got Jesus in your heart. Let him out. Let him display in your life. Not just internally, but externally. Not just your spirit, but your flesh. God must be twofold in your world. Inward and outward. Your life has to reflect purity. Perfecting holiness and the fear of God. People who do not let God be displayed externally are not walking in the fear of God. And they're imperfecting holiness. You see that verse up there, verse 1? Imperfecting holiness when you don't let God do it, flesh and spirit. But you want to perfect holiness, it's flesh and spirit. That word perfecting means to fulfill further or completely. That is to execute. That is to undergo. That is to finish. That is to perform. That's what this word means. Let God accomplish what he started. Let him finish what he began. Let him fulfill further so you don't walk in the filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of your spirit. Let's lift our hands as we stand together. I'm going to jump towards the end here. There's a bunch of verses I'm going to skip. I don't know if you will be able to find them, Alicia, or not. But I'm going to go here to... I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be towards the end a little bit. Verses 25 through 30. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. We're members one of another. You got an anger problem, verse 26? Sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. You got to be on your A game, folks. That's your apostolic game. You got to be on your toes and just kind of always be on that devil. He just he just wants to get a foot in the door. That's all he needs is just a little space and a little crowbar to get right in. Don't give him any room. Let him that stole steal no more. <laughs> Look, let him labor, get a job, work with his hands the things which is good. That he may give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Learn to minister grace to the hearers. And look at verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That word grieve means to distress, to be sad, to cause grief. To be in heaviness, full of sorrow, to make sorry. 
When we do life our way, are we even considering God's feelings? Or are we grieving the Holy Spirit of God? But I, I, I really like this friend. I, I, really, I really I like to hang out with them. I, I really like this music. I really like this show. I, 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 re, I really like to go to these concerts. I, I, I really like to drink this. I really like to smoke that. I really, I really, there's a lot of I and no consideration for the I am. That is it possible me doing things my way is hurting God. It says don't grieve because you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can distress him. You can cause him to be sad. You can cause God to have grief. You can cause God to be in heaviness. You can cause God to be in sorrow. You can cause God to be made sorry. What about God, do we ever think about that when we live our life on a daily basis? When you decide not to go to prayer, when you decide not to come and pray, when you decide not to read your Bible, when you decide not to begin to analyze your life and see if there's anything different about you today than there was a month ago or a year ago, or you're reverting back to what God called you out of a month ago or a year ago. What about God? What about this holy God that is a loving God? What about this holy God that forgave you? of your sins? What about this holy God that pulled you out of the pit? What about this holy God that loves you? Is your action, is your life, are your words causing grief to a Holy Spirit which is a loving spirit, which is a redeeming spirit? I wonder if conviction can get a hold of your heart right now or are we too callous to think about God? Are we too callous to think about this holy God full of love, full of grace, full of truth? I don't want to hurt God any anymore. I don't want to cause a Holy Spirit grief. I want to be holy because he is holy. I want to give my life to a cause that is a purifier. I want to be refined by a God that has called me to be holy. I want to be purified in the sight of a holy God. Come on, man of God. Come on, woman of God. Would you think about God for a moment? You don't come to this altar very often, but would you think about God today? Does it grieve his spirit for you not to come to an altar? Does it grieve his spirit for you not to throw out that filth out of your home? Does it grieve God's spirit that you still watch those things? Does it grieve God's Holy Spirit when you still talk like you used to talk? I wonder if conviction can get a hold of a heart right now. God, I'm tired of hurting you. I'm so Oh, sorry, Jesus, for thinking about myself. God, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, come on. Come on, go ahead and tell God sorry. What about God? What about God? What about him? Come on, think about him. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Jesus, Jesus, there ought to be a travail. There ought to be a lifting up of a voice right now. Oh, there ought to be conviction in someone's spirit right now. 
stop thinking about yourself for a moment and think about God for a moment. Think about the nails in his hands. Think about the nails in his feet. Think about the crown of thorns in his head. God, I'm sorry. I keep trying to justify my addiction. I keep trying to justify my speech. I keep trying to justify my sexual behavior. I keep trying to justify my anger. I keep trying to justify, Lord, these things. God, I'm sorry. I didn't even think about you. I didn't even think about the blood. I didn't even think about the cross. Come on, somebody, would you weep? Would you weep for a moment? Would you let down your guard? Stop being so cautious. Stop being so careful right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus, there's a holy consecration in this place. There's a conviction from the above right now.